Hey guys, how are you all doing? If you're new here, welcome. My name is Crazy Ken, and welcome back to another episode of No Cameras Allowed, the autobiographical story about my journey on YouTube, hosting the Computer Clan YouTube channel. And you know, I've had a lot of fun along the way, so I have some cool stories to tell, and some cool lessons to talk about. Oh man, it's, it's been a lot of fun. The last couple episodes have had guests on them, but I'm just back to my old self, alone, 10 stories underground in my lair. Actually, that's not true. This is more of the behind the scenes story of everything, so I gotta ruin the magic, I'm sorry. I'm not 10 stories underground. I'm in a studio somewhere. I'm actually in the office part of my studio <laughs> where I edit all of the videos. I do like to record the podcast in here too because it's smaller and easier to treat acoustically. Hey, <laughs> So what are we talking about today? Well, Adobe Flash Player recently went EOL, end of life, meaning Adobe is not pushing software updates or security patches or hosting support for it anymore. And it also is getting blocked everywhere. So because of security problems, Adobe is highly recommending people uninstall it and to reduce security problems, they're blocking it. Now I'm sure there's ways around it to make it still work, to make the plugin still work. There's archived flash content, so not all is lost, but still, it's kind of a historic moment because Flash Player was a huge staple in the internet and in pop culture. And now we're saying goodbye to it. Well, we've been saying goodbye to it for a while. So uh, a little while ago, a couple weeks ago, I released a retrospective about Adobe Flash Player's history. It's in the show notes, in the links. I highly recommend watching it if you haven't watched it yet. So this episode is about the making of that Crazy Ken episode and just about some Adobe Flash nostalgia in general with my journey and experience with it. So yes, uh, for years Adobe has been saying it's going to die at the end of 2020 and now it has. So definitely check out that retrospective if you haven't seen it yet. We're also going to talk about Shockwave because it was similar and Adobe owned them as well. Let's uh, go back to the beginning quick. Uh, actually, first, I want to talk about Flashpoint, because if you want to still play a bunch of archived Flash games and animations and Shockwave games and all that stuff, uh, download Flashpoint. It's a Windows app, and you can play all that stuff in there. They have like 80,000 titles, so go have fun with that. Um, I know I have been having some fun with that lately. So just kind of like a brief history here. Future Wave Incorporated was founded by Charlie Jackson and Jonathan Gay, Charlie Jackson was the founder of Silicon Beach, and they made a lot of software back in the day. And then he founded this Future Wave company with John, and their first product was Smart Sketch. It was a vector-based drawing application, which means it uses math to draw shapes. It's not, you know, pictures. It's actual math that draws the shapes. And they made it for the Penpoint OS, which ran on pen-based tablet computers and all that stuff. But that stuff didn't take off in the 90s, so Smart Sketch wasn't really used. I think... Don't quote me on this, but I think, if I remember correctly from Charlie's blog, he said they maybe sold two copies of the software. <laughs> Either way, didn't really go anywhere. So they added frame-by-frame -frame animation features into it, and they released it on Mac and Windows, that updated version, and they called it Future Splash. So now it was running on Mac and Windows, two very big platforms compared to pen input computers, of course, and it had more features, so that's pretty freaking cool. Uh, but, you know, the company still wasn't doing too well. They needed to sell the technology and, you know, try to be under a bigger company and make this work. So they looked at a bunch of companies. Well, I don't know how many, but I know they looked at Adobe. And Adobe initially turned them down. But Macromedia was like, ah, yes, 
will buy them. So Macromedia bought Future Splash, they renamed it Macromedia Flash, and boom, they're off to the races. And then later, Adobe sees how successful it is, and then Adobe buys Macromedia for like $3.6 billion. <laughs> and that's how Future Splash became Macromedia Flash and then Adobe Flash. So that's kind of the quick and dirty history there. But yeah, I just think it's funny how like Adobe initially didn't buy the technology, but then they did when they saw how big Macromedia made it. Flash content was everywhere. And Macromedia also had Shockwave, which was big on CDs as well. And Flash was just spreading on the web with like websites and games on the web and animations, because you could use it for interactives, you can use it for video, it was so many things, and it was spreading. And then yeah, Adobe bought them and just kept pushing it. And well, of course now it's dead, but I remember back when we had the family computer, we had a Mac for a good chunk of time. And then we switched to a Windows PC for I think about seven years. And my first experience with Adobe Flash Player was on Windows. And I don't remember maybe, I don't exactly remember what the first thing I did in Flash was, but I do remember quite vividly for some stupid reason, the first cartoon, the first Flash cartoon that I saw on the web. So my father had his friend over and his friend's son also came over and they showed my father this animation. I think it was called like Osama Bin Laden, Nowhere to Run. And you know, this was back when he was still alive. You know, I'm not gonna get political. <laughs> but it was like a little animation of like Osama Bin Laden, like dodging bombs. And it was like a little song and like George Bush was playing like a conga drum. It was, I vaguely remember that being the first Flash cartoon I saw. Come with the Taliban, turn over Bin Laden. Colin Powell, gonna bomb his home. Come with the Taliban, turn over Bin Laden. Come and we drop the bomb. And like, I was like, when I was researching this episode for YouTube, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't having a fever dream or something. So like, I looked it up in Flashpoint. And sure enough, this was a real thing. Um, let me Google it right here. Let's see. Osama Bin Laden, Nowhere to Run cartoon. I think you could probably just watch it on YouTube. Yeah, it looks like it's just on YouTube under Bin Laden, Nowhere to Run, or Nowhere to Run Flash Video, and you could just play it on YouTube. Uploaded in 2007. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I remember that being the first Flash thing I saw. And then I started getting into some Shockwave stuff. Again, I know Shockwave is different than Flash, but they were both owned by Macromedia and they both did similar things, right? They both had their own sets of authoring tools that you would use to make the stuff, but you know, they were still similar. Um, so one of the earliest Shockwave experiences I can recall was CandyStand.com. So CandyStand was a bunch of free games to help market Wrigley products, you know, gum and lifesavers and the trolley brand and all that stuff. So when I was a kid, my brother and I, and uh, my father's friend's son, like they introduced us to this stuff. And it was really cool. Cause like at the time I was so used to having to put a CD into my computer to play a game, right? But they were like, oh no, you just go to this website and you can play these games. And I was like, holy crap, this is freaking cool. And I spent a lot of time playing Shockwave games. And the first games I remember playing were uh, these golf games. So you could just golf in these like candy themed environments. And yeah, this stuff is on Flashpoint. It's so cool. I actually showed a little clip in my Crazy Ken episode. I got a hole in one. I still got it. <laughs> but yeah, I played those golf games like crazy. And it was so much fun playing that stuff. 
and it was like magical back then. It's still kind of cool now, but it, it's crazy how like some things haven't aged well, like the 256 color. <laughs> it's all dithered and stuff, but hey, it's nostalgic, whatever. It doesn't have to be full, like 16 million color like we're spoiled with today. Anyway, so I remember playing that stuff a lot, and I don't remember if this was before or after Nick and Cartoon Network. It might have been around the same time, but then I remember my father showed my brother and I Nickelodeon's website and Cartoon Network's website, because we watched Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network on TV, of course, but... Then we found out, oh, hey, they have a website. Wow. Again, I was young, not tech savvy. This was a very different time. Smartphones weren't a thing. Social media was barely a thing. Like I see like 10-year-olds with iPhones now. You have no idea how lucky you are. <laughs> um, we didn't have that kind of technology. I wasn't really aware of like all this stuff that could be done on the internet. So this stuff was like really new to me. Like I'm coming from a CD-ROM background and now I'm like playing games on the web. This is new to me. So then I started getting into Flash games on Nickelodeon's website and the Cartoon Network website. And I vaguely remember like these sports games, like, oh gosh, I don't even know. I tried looking this up and I could not find the name of it. If anyone knows the name, tell me. But I remember playing this one Nickelodeon like sports game you, I don't remember if it was Flash or Shockwave, but you were like bouncing a bowling ball, like in zero gravity, knocking down pins and stuff. I remember there was like a fireworks simulator where you can make your own fireworks show. And then on Cartoon Network, I remember playing like Teen Titans games where you, you play as the Titan and you fight the bad guys like Cinderblock and Plasmus and all that stuff. It was like a, it was like a Street Fighter style game. Yeah, I remember playing that stuff. It's been forever, <laughs> but I remember playing it. So yeah, those were my early experiences with Flash and Shockwave. So now, getting back to the story of the episode. It's like a story about the story, the behind the scenes. So I think I started thinking of this idea several months ago, especially when web browsers started prompting people that Flash was going to be dropped for support. I was like, mm-hmm, I should probably do a Crazy Ken's Tech Talk episode about this. <laughs> so it was in the back of my mind for a while, and then... um it was probably a couple weeks before the episode went live. Sage from the SFC group um, at sagefun.com, I believe is the website, he reached out to me and he showed me Flashpoint, which was that archive thing I was talking about. Like, he actually is the one that introduced me to it. And I was like, wow, this is a perfect way to get examples recorded for the episode. So he starts recording stuff for me, which was very nice of him. That was very helpful. And, um, you know, I'm still busy as hell. Like, I do YouTube and I juggle that with a full-time job, which is definitely something I'll be talking about in future episodes. But So I'm working 40 hours a week at a full-time job and I'm doing YouTube probably an additional 20, 30 hours a week. And it's a lot of stuff. And I have other episodes to finish and I have to get this. This was back when the podcast had to get off the ground. So like I was still really busy. So I didn't really start the episode until... I'm going to check right now the date. I think I might have it on here. I don't know. Let's see. The Flash episode came out on December 31st, which was the day Flash was going EOL, so the timing lined up great. And I think I started writing it this uh, probably the Friday before that. So I had like six days to go from zero to 100 and get this done because I was so busy with other stuff. Not to mention the charity event, which I talked about with Brainiac Brent in the last episode of No Cameras Allowed. That was time-consuming. That was a 10-and-a-half-hour live broadcast with setup and teardown, also making it probably, like, overall a 20-hour production or something. Again, balancing with a day job. So that was pretty balls-to-the-walls crazy. 
I was so busy. And there was also the holidays mixed in. I was like, how the heck am I going to squeeze this in? Well, I did it. I did it. And you know I did it because the episode came out on time. <laughs> so, but I had to work overtime. And I value sleep very much. And I usually like to keep a very strict sleeping schedule. In bed at 10 o'clock, no exceptions. Yeah, that that didn't work. Like, during those six days. I was working my butt off on that episode. Yeah, there was probably one or two nights where I was easily up past midnight. And I know there's some YouTubers out there that pull quote-unquote all-nighters, but I am not an advocate for that because sleep is like the healthiest thing you can do for your body. And uh, I'm not chancing that. I had to stay up late a few nights just to get this episode done. And I also talked with Michael MJD, who was doing his own episode about it. And uh, we kind of did a little um, cross-promotion. We plugged each other's videos in our own videos, just as like a little mini collab cross-promotion sort of thing, which I think was kind of cool to do. He, he's a cool guy. I've known him for years. I would love to have him on a future episode of No Cameras Allowed, because it turns out he quit his day job and he does YouTube full-time. So that would be uh, an interesting thing to talk about with him on the show. But anyway, yes, we planned that as well. So I had six days to get this done. And, you know, I know there's other people that do type these types of retrospectives and stuff like that, but I didn't want to cheap out. A lot of people, like, don't really go on camera ever. They just kind of take screenshots and, like, do a voiceover and stuff like that. I like to... Dude, I, you've seen Crazy Ken's Tech Talk. Um, and if you haven't, I recommend you do. Um, like, if you watch it, the production value is pretty high. Like... It's a lit set. I'm on camera. I make animations. I don't just like take screenshots of things. Like a lot of times I'll have my own computers and I'll install the software on them. Like I didn't just grab a screenshot of, you know, Macromedia Flash 2. I actually busted out my PowerBook G3 Wall Street, installed Flash 2 on it, and filmed it in action. Like, I like to just have much more production value in my show, and I know people notice it because people say the nicest things about the production value, but, you know, it comes at a cost. It does take time. It's It takes longer to make that stuff, but I'm way more proud of it when I, you know, do a good job like that. I don't like to cut corners and make a crappy product. Um, that Those are just the standards I hold myself to. It took a lot of time, and it was a lot more work than I thought it was going to be for for the six days that I had. The writing and the research, it, it took some time. It wasn't terribly long. Huge shout-out to the Internet Archive that archives old versions of web pages. I donate to that. To, to, I donate to those people, absolutely, because I use their stuff often when doing retrospective research. But yeah, so the research took a while, but it wasn't crazy long. The shoot, shoots are usually pretty smooth because I script everything out. I don't use a teleprompter. A lot of people ask me if I use a teleprompter. I actually don't, and they're usually pretty amazed when I tell them that because I guess I just do such a good job on camera. I just, it's something, I've been on camera forever. I just... I just practice a lot. I guess you just get used to it. But no, I do not use a teleprompter. Now, sometimes if I'm doing a voiceover-only part, I'll be reading off my iPad screen. But every time I'm looking at the camera, there's no teleprompter up there. That's just from the heart. So yeah, usually I'm well-rehearsed and the script is dialed in. So those shoots usually never take longer than an hour, which is good because the CFast card I use in my camera only holds 50 minutes of 4K footage. So it better not take more than an hour. Uh, yes, this particular shoot, if you're not counting like the setup time, it was about 46 minutes, 44 minutes of filming, which is a little longer than normal. Fun fact. Usually my shoots are between 30 and 40, but this was a bit of a longer episode. There was some stuff I ended up cutting out in post, but yes, it, it was a longer one, but I didn't really have many like bloopers. There were some funny ones that I do release on 
uh, Patreon and on the YouTube channel for Computer Clan Insiders. There were some funny bloopers in this one, but yeah, the shoot was pretty smooth. Okay, the post-production. <laughs> this consumed much more time than I thought. Uh, I believe this was the most complex post-production I've ever done for video. Yeah, typically the stages of video at a high level are the pre-production, that's the planning, the production, that's the shooting, and then the post-production, that's the editing. And um, most of the time, I'm a one-man band, so I'm editing everything in Final Cut Pro and with, like, Photoshop and motion to, you know, make animations and stuff. And, uh, whew. At the end, I think the timeline index said I had 900 items in my timeline. And that was with some things grouped together. You can group multiple smaller clips into a big clip called a nest or in Final Cut Pro they call it a compound clip. And you can group stuff to keep things easy. But even with some stuff grouped together, there were still like almost 900 items in my timeline for like a 17 minute episode. So I would say that is the most complex timeline I've ever had for a YouTube video ever. It was a challenge. And again, I only had a few days while balancing a day job to make this happen. But yeah, it, it, this, I'm not going to lie, this one kind of kicked my ass. <laughs> I'm scrolling through it right now. I'm really proud of the little part where I took the Hungry Pumpkin Flash game. And it was like a little skit where the pumpkin is the Adobe guy and he eats the Macromedia logo. <laughs> That was the part I used to illustrate the acquisition of Macromedia by Adobe. I was actually kind of proud of how the animation turned out, so I hope people liked it. But no, uh, um, I'm humbled by the awesome feedback I've received from all of you guys. Um, I don't like to toot my own horn. I really don't. But I did work really hard on this episode, so I'm glad it's paying off. This one took uh, a lot more energy than I thought it would. And I made sure to feature some cool stuff in it too. Like I featured Mini Clip. I featured Ed's World. I, I loved those cartoons. Yeah, rest in peace, Ed Gold. He unfortunately passed away at like the age of 24, way too young. But yeah, he started Ed's World, funny comic and cartoon series. It's great. And I showed Strong Bad. You know, that was a huge Flash thing on the internet. Again, Flash was a huge part of pop culture. Like, even though near the end, you know, drama ensued and it was kind of unstable and had some security issues and, you know, Apple CEO Steve Jobs didn't like it and people were complaining about it not being on the iPhone. It kind of got messy near the end and, you know, op other open standards like HTML5 ended up winning. That's why Flash has died. But, you know, that stuff aside, this was huge, man. Like at one time we were all affected positively buy it. Um, and not to mention the flash authoring tools are used for animation in general, not just for web stuff. So there's network television cartoons that at one point in their production used flash tools for part of their workflow, like blues clues, Foster's home for imaginary friends, uh, family guy, total drama Island and Arthur. So like flash has impacted everyone positively in some way, but yeah, it's just a uh, kind of time for it to go, you know? But yeah, I also showed The World's Hardest Game by Snubbyland and, of course, Alan Becker's Animator vs. Animation, which is totally meta because that cartoon takes place in an Adobe Flash professional window, which is pretty funny. Yeah, if you have, again, if you have not seen my retrospective of Adobe Flash Player on Crazy Ken's Tech Talk, the link is in the show notes. Definitely check it out. It was a good one. So on No Cameras Allowed, I love answering audience submitted questions. So if you want to submit your own question that you want answered on the show, feel free to tweet me or DM me on Twitter at the computer clan. If you want to stay anonymous, you can stay anonymous or you can have your name mentioned, whatever you'd like. But yeah, feel free to submit questions on there. And um, I have one here from Papa's Films on Twitter. So that's P-A-P-A-S Films. He submitted this question. What was your first experience with Linux? 
Would you ever use Linux as your daily driver? Love the podcast, by the way. So, Papa's Films, thank you for liking the podcast. I do appreciate it. My first experience with Linux as a like a desktop environment, I was at my buddy's house, and he showed me Mandriva. And I think he was using the Plasma desktop environment. So it looked different than your typical Windows or Mac OS desktop, which was kind of cool. But I believe it was Mandriva. And that was probably in 2008. That was the first time I used a Linux desktop environment. Um, you know, I'm sure I've used at the time like websites or stuff powered by Linux because Linux powers a lot of server side stuff. But in terms of like personal computer use... Mandriva, definitely remember that. And then in the early days of Computer Clan Live, which was my webcast, which I talked about more in episode three, Sue Studio was another thing. I forgot exactly what Sue Studio does, but we did show that on CCL, so that was another Linux-related thing I did. And I feel like I've used OpenSUSE as well, but I in the early days, but I don't remember, but I definitely remember Mandriva. <laughs> and the other part of your question was, would you ever use Linux as your daily driver? Me, personally, no. All the software I rely on and the Apple services integration does not run on Linux. So it would not be economical for my workflow. You know, I got nothing against it. A lot of people use Linux as a daily driver. That's totally chill. I use a Linux server for my web hosting stuff. At my day job, we have like a freaking like 150 terabyte video server. It's based on Gen 2. So like we use a Linux-based media server at the day job office. And again, I use Linux-based stuff for my web hosting. So for that stuff, yeah, fine. But as my daily driver, no, I like the Mac. I like using Final Cut Pro and Photoshop and all that stuff. And I, I just need a... Um, I like Apple's, you know, hardware, software, services, marriage, all under one roof. It just makes it easy for me. But thank you very much, Papa's Films, for asking. And again, any other questions you guys want to have answered on the show, feel free to send them my way on Twitter because, you know, this show is about my history on YouTube and other related things. So if you've enjoyed listening to the show, I just ask one favor. If you could leave a, a rating and a review. I know some podcast apps require you to write a review to leave just a rating, but, uh, if you could do that, that'd be great. Of course, I can't force you, but I just ask if you like listening to the show and if you'd like to leave a five-star review, go ahead and do that. That helps us out a lot. Thanks in advance for your support. And if you want to help fund the future of the Computer Clan, plus get some awesome perks along the way, you'll be funding the YouTube channel, which is all the Crazy Ken stuff and Computer Clan Live, and you'll also be funding this new podcast, No Cameras Allowed. Feel free to pledge to my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash crazyken, crazy with a K. Link is in the description, slash show notes, whatever the app you're using calls them. Feel free to pledge there. Thank you so much for your support. So, that was Flash. Birthed from Future Wave, owned by Macromedia, then owned by Adobe. Changed the world. It's been fun. And I'll still have some fun with you on Flashpoint and in the archives. Well, guys, that's about all I have for you today. But if you want to share some of your own favorite Flash memories, feel free to tweet me or leave a comment on the Crazy Ken episode. I love hearing about everyone else's fun stories and experiences with Flash and uh, Macromedia and Shockwave and Adobe and all that good stuff. So stay tuned for more episodes every Monday because I like to make your Monday a fun day. Yeah, that's an easy, cheap rhyme to do. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with me. Catch the crazy and pass it on. Pass it on.